AJ, before we jump into this episode, why don't you tell us about our sponsor? This episode of Beauty and the Gee is sponsored by The Fight Hub, where you can get all the role model gear. All the role model gear? Yeah, including gees, which are on sale right now for $99. And they're really nice gees. How do these gees fit? So, it's <laughs> a good question. <laughs> uh, the gees uh, last year were like a slim fit, and they weren't meant for most humans. Um, but these gees, so they are like a unisex cut. They're mm-hmm. A gees, not Ws or Fs, but they fit really well. So, and we do have some Hs. So, like we have an A2H and an A3H. So, right on. Much better sizing this time. Okay, because I got some hips. Same. <laughs> Super same. And if you're looking for another podcast from the Brassy Broadcasting Company, which brings you this fabulous podcast, you can actually check out the Brassy Broadcast. And that's where we are exploring practices that help us become the legend in our own why. And this isn't the show for tips and tricks and a quick fix. We're actually diving into daily practices and tools and understandings that help us unlock our own transformation and evolution. So find that in your favorite podcasting app. Awesome. And did you know that you're going to be a guest on that show as well? I didn't. Surprise. Surprise. So be on the lookout for AJ's episode. Go ahead and just subscribe now to the Brassy Broadcast. Welcome to Beauty and the Ghee, the podcast about jujitsu and life on and off the mat. I'm Jen Eads, a white belt full of curiosity and questions about all the things jujitsu. And I'm AJ Clearman, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu purple belt obsessed with jiu-jitsu. And do you have a new title to add to that? Yes, I'm Pan Champ. (laughs) (laughs) Which we are going to hear much more about that in this episode because we are going to recap the latest Pans tournament. Great. What was the overall vibe of the event? Really, honestly, I feel like the overall vibe was gratitude. Yeah. I mean, from everybody, because everybody was just so glad to get to do a big event like that. PANS was the first event that was canceled because it was supposed to be in March. Mm -hmm. I've never actually done Gee PANS because it's always in March and it never falls in a time when I'm able to do it. So I think just everybody was just so thankful to get to be there and get to compete. Oh, I'm sure. But it was awesome. It was really cool to get to experience and our girl Andrea went she competed on Thursday and it was her first time at like a big event uh-huh. so she was kind of fangirling a little bit and I was like oh you're gonna have so much fun like when you see all these black belts and their geese and their belts and like it just is a big difference like seeing them like with their belt on and stuff you're like oh. right <laughs> yeah yeah so definitely want to give like a shout out to all the role models that were there it's it was fun to see the few that I got to. It was tough not being there every day. So I'd see pictures of people at Pants and I was like, I didn't see that person. <laughs> oh, right. I was only there two of the four days. So <laughs> I didn't get to see everybody. I did not get to see Rachel compete, but she did compete and win. And by Rachel, you mean? Of course, Rachel Casillas. Yes. Yeah. So she... Um, Third co-host of Beauty and the Beast. Exactly. We're actually really here. <laughs> exactly. She... Won for the seventh time in a row. Oh, my God. Seven years in a row she's won pans. That's incredible. Right? It's insane. Yeah. I always wonder, like, is there added pressure? Like, do you feel extra pressure because it's like, okay, now I've won the last six years. Like, I have to win this year. And I think she just kind of feels like it's the same amount of pressure. Like, she's going to go out there and do her best. But she's freaking amazing. So will there be additional pressure on you next year because of your win? 
I don't know. After I won Nogi Worlds, I didn't win the next year. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't think so. But we'll see. We'll see when it comes closer. I just hope to get to do it again. Right. That's the big thing right now. Yeah. Tell me about your preparation because, and this will be great because we just had Jess Sunier on the last episode of Beauty and the Gee. I will have a link to that in the show notes. And if you haven't heard that episode already, definitely go back and listen to it. But I know that you were using Jess's program. So tell us about how that impacted your performance. Yeah. It was great. Like I stutter over how amazing it was. Um, Seriously. So Rissa and I started, we decided to move to Jess um, to do a program six weeks leading into competition. And just having somebody that does compete on a high level Mm -hmm. and also lifts and really understands lifting um, was super helpful for us. So she, you know, designed this program for us. Sometimes it was Felt like a lot of patience because I'm not good at like the rest periods. (laughs) Shocking. Um, Right? I know. But it was so great. Like we felt amazing going into the tournament. Now, I did mention on that episode with Jess that I was dealing with an injury. Um, Still kind of dealing with that injury. Mm -hmm. So I did kind of, you know, skip some things on the, the workouts or kind of modify things to my, you know, whatever helped so that I could protect this as much as possible leading into that competition. But we... We felt great. Nice. And it was interesting to kind of talk to some people that were doing the old program we were doing pre-Jess and how exhausted they felt. Like one of the guys was just like, man, I just feel run down. Really? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Like it just kind of reiterated how important a program was from somebody that really knew what they were doing. Something else you mentioned was having an injury. So how did you prepare for this tournament with an injury? Yep. Well, I, one, I gave people boundaries and parameters. Mm -hmm. So like in our last couple sessions of doing live takedowns, I basically told my teammates, I was like, hey, you can't take me down. I can't have you pulling on my head. You can defend my takedowns. You can pull guard. But right now, don't take me down. I, I don't want to hit them that hard. Like, so little stuff like that, just basically kind of giving them like things that could still help me prepare, mm-hmm. but without putting me at further risk. So it was a neck injury. So I was also like, you know, don't choke me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know how to defend a choke if I get into it. So like, let's just not choke me right now. So those were some of the things we were kind of working with to help me still be able to train pretty hard and protect myself. How did that impact your performance then once you got into competition? And the last match was the hardest. Um, She did try to Ezekiel me. And what's interesting about my neck injury is it's, it hurts to the touch. So like it was her first arm, the one around the back of my head. Really? I was like, oh, that hurts so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's kind of interesting just how, how that hurts. I did get out of the Ezekiel. I ended up on bottom and like any kind of bridging was really hard for me. Mm -hmm. So I tried my best, but, um, and so this is in the open too. So when people are confused about that, I did lose this match. Um, this was in the open. So it, it did affect me, but I did, I, I was 
probably going to lose that match either way. Like she was just better than me that day. Yeah. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. I'm still very proud of my performance. I did some good things. And even though I was hurting in that match and I was exhausted, um, I never gave up. Like even at the very end, like we always say, last like 30 seconds, if you're down on points, we go for broke, right? That's when we do stupid stuff just Mm -hmm. to like, whatever, just try to finish the match. You're already losing. Like, yeah. Um, so I did, you know, I tried to wrist locker. I tried to Ezekiel her both from bottom, but it was just like, whatever, I'm just trying to pull out something. So I was proud that I didn't quit. Um, I did definitely die after that match. <laughs> I came off the mat and there were so many people there and they were all hugging me, which is great. Um, but I just kept thinking, I just want to lay down. I just want to lay down. I just want to lay down. And as soon as I got through them all, I threw my gi top on the ground and I laid down, missed my gi top altogether. Just kind of like <laughs> laid on like just a little part of it um, and just like laid there and died and cried a little bit. I was very, very sad that I lost that match. But once I hit the podium, so I got third in the open. Once I hit the podium, I shifted back to just being proud of my performance. So nice job. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> what were what were some of the favorite matches that you saw? Of other people? Of other people. Yeah. Christina Barlon. I got to see her. That was great. There was a match between two of my friends, BJ Nelson and well, I'm totally drawing a blank. One of Dan Camarillo's guys. Why do I, Vinny? I don't know. Sorry, Vinny. Um, and that was a really good match. Like I was excited to see that and like very impressed at BJ's, um, the, how well he did in that match. So those were a couple of the matches that were really good to see. Risser winning. Of course, I cried when. So Risser also won Pans, which was the most amazing thing. Like just. You know, having your best friend completely prep with you. Like Mm -hmm. we did the six weeks of lifting together, of training together. We took the trip together. It was just the two of us that stayed in the house. And then to both compete the same day and both win the same day was just amazing to share that whole experience. So, Oh, that makes me so happy. It was great. I was so happy. It was a little added added pressure because like when she won, I was like, oh, you've got to win this with her. Like, you know, like just like... (laughs) Don't let her down. (laughs) Yeah. How was it for you competing and James not being there? So exactly as I expected going into it, but like a few weeks beforehand, I actually said, I think I'm going to be fine with him not coaching me, but I'm going to be sad when he's not there to celebrate me winning. Right. Which is a lot for me because I don't know if you know this, ladies and gentlemen, but I kind of suck at competing. <laughs> so just the fact that I I legit was like, I'm going to win this. Like, yeah. I felt good going into it. So that's pretty much exactly how it was. Like, it was fine him not being there to coach me. I could hear people coach me pretty well, which is a major benefit of COVID. <laughs> right. Right. Because like you can't have a million people in there. They let each person have one companion. Yeah. And I'm sure lots of people don't bring anyone. So you, it's much easier to hear your coach. It's very <laughs> nice. And I could hear other people coaching me, which was kind of confusing, you know, like just, yeah. you know, just people yelling things. Um, but I was able to hone in on Risser pretty well. How was Risser as a coach? Great. I mean, she's, <laughs> she's an amazing coach. She coaches a lot like me in that she never shuts up. <laughs> She's super loud. That's yeah. That's how I coach. So yeah, she was. That's great. what we need. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so coaching wise, it was fine. But when I won and he wasn't there, that was sad. Yeah. But he was texting me immediately, and he was at a wedding, and to hear everyone else 
talk about how excited he was at the wedding when, oh. he, when I won because he was watching on his phone. Uh-huh. And um, like people that didn't even really know him were like, he just like jumped up and started cheering. <laughs> so it was really cute like to hear that. So nice. Yeah, he was very proud and that made me super happy, obviously. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. We're going to rewind a little bit and dive a little bit deeper into the lifting piece. Cause for me, that's not even on my radar right yeah. now. So tell me more about that. Yeah. So one thing that um, we talked about a little bit on just episode, but one thing that I didn't think would work out, but worked out really well is that she actually puts like the heavy lifting days on the heavy jujitsu days. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if for us that, partially worked because we were lifting early in the morning and not training till night, but somehow it just worked. Like we weren't tired. We felt like we weren't tired. What's interesting is now she has us on a program that is a four week post competition program. And it is like, she basically says like, you've built up a lot of exhaustion that you don't even realize you have. And so we've started this like bridge program and she's right. Like, it's crazy how, you know, here we are, a couple weeks after the tournament and we are tired still, but we didn't really realize it. But like lifting, you're like, Oh God, I feel weak. (laughs) It's funny how, you know, a couple weeks ago we felt like we were the strongest we've ever been. And then now we're like, man, I'm weak. (laughs) What is that? What causes that? She just, I, I, you know, I mean, we trained hard for six weeks. And so it's just like your body kind of going into this rehab. Yeah. And I just, I appreciate that she knew that she knew that we needed this different program to kind of build us back up before we either start on a new competition, you know, thing or on a like strength building program. So are you preparing for another tournament now or are you just kind of on a rest all around for a while? Because I don't even know. Is there another tournament coming up? So that's the great question. (laughs) We don't know yet. The thing about the weird world we live in is that they're waiting until like the last minute to announce a tournament. Mm -hmm. Rumor has it they are going to do an adult slash master's worlds in December. Oh, that's like, oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. They, I've heard the rumor being Florida and I've heard it being Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not heard a rumor of what weekend. I'm really hoping it's not the weekend before Christmas. Yeah. Because the weekend before Christmas means that anybody that would want to quarantine for a couple weeks after competing wouldn't be able to. Right. So I'm hoping they do it like the second weekend in December. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, I'm definitely doing it. Yeah. Um, if it's not, I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah. it's tough. They had actually announced Nogi Pans for November 21st, which is the weekend before Thanksgiving. So again, like if that's what people are doing, they, they can't. I already couldn't go because my sister's getting married that weekend. <laughs> so I was like the one weekend, there's no way that weekend. But yeah, so we're just kind of holding out to see. So I really don't know if I'm preparing to compete again or if I'm just resting and playing and, you know, yeah, going back. You know, right now we are going back to just playing with Panda Guard and Deep Path and stuff like that that we weren't that wasn't competition based. So if this happens in December, mm-hmm. what does that switch? How do you immediately go back into preparation? What's that look like? Yeah. 
depending on how many weeks notice they give us. Yeah. Jess will be a big part of that that preparation. So if yeah. they give us four weeks, then I think I I think that she would just design me a quick four week program mm-hmm. so that I am peaking at that end of the four weeks. Yeah. Um, um obviously I always hope to have about six weeks, but you just don't know right now. So it just really you just kind of have to be flexible and kind of be ready to turn on a dime for that. So was it obvious as you were watching other competitors, like who really trained during COVID? during shutdowns and who didn't? I really feel like most of the people there probably did. Yeah. Because I know you you and Risser yeah, were yeah. like constant. Yeah. We did a lot of training during that time. Going back into like why I compete. Like we've talked about this on past episodes, but like a big part of why I compete is that it makes me a better person leading into competition, right? Just like with Jess's program, like I train harder. I, you know, I I work better. I'm more specific. I eat better. I do more recovery, all of that kind of stuff. But another big part about that is I've always been so nervous, Mm -hmm. so nervous. And so I want, I've always wanted to keep competing to get rid of those nerves. That makes sense. And typically I get very nervous in a few different times. One, when I register, uh-huh. two, when the brackets come out, <laughs> and then three, that whole day I'm a wreck. But this time, like, I really didn't get nervous until after Rissa was done competing. I n- never got nervous leading up to the competition at all. Wow. And then her and I, like, went to a stairwell and just drilled some, like, setups and some, like, just got sweaty, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I just felt good. I, like, really wasn't too nervous. That's fascinating. It is. And I think like a big part, like this year, all year long, I just keep asking myself, like, what are you afraid of? Like, that's been the the constant question in my head. What are you mm-hmm. afraid of? And it's helped me like with my fear of heights. And it's helped me just with a lot of weird, uh, you know, idiosyncrasies that I have. <laughs> but I think it really helped with competing. So I think that also makes it easier to be able to turn on a dime and just get back in a competition mode. Right. Because currently feel like I just have less fear about it. Also, this was the first time ever that like during the competition, like in the middle of the match, I had thoughts. And I know that sounds dumb. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) Like what kind of thoughts? Like, you know, like there was one point where I was specifically setting something up. And I remember thinking that I hoped the people that like were that were from my team that don't train with me all the time, that I hoped that they didn't think I was dumb in what I was doing Because I knew what I was, I knew what I was going for, (laughs) but like, I didn't want them to be like, why isn't she just passing the guard? You know, like, Uh um, so I remember like having thoughts that like, just like, just bear with me guys. I'm getting to where I want to be. You're fine. Don't, don't like, don't think I'm an idiot, (laughs) Um, which is so weird, but like, or like, who is yelling that I need to do this? Like, that doesn't seem right. I don't think that's what I want to do. No one from our team, just people yelling. (laughs) So, yeah, so it was just. I think that's a a product of not being so nervous yeah. that I could just be a little more clear-headed and have like thoughts. <laughs> that's fascinating. It to is. Me. It's very fascinating. <laughs> like I wouldn't I it seems silly, but it was just very different to just be able to like it's almost oh. like de- like a detachment of yeah. yeah. Even just like the little bitty things like, "Oh yeah, I teach that all the time. I should do that. That's good." <laughs> Yeah, that's what I want. No. Yeah. 
This might be one of the most incredible conversations I feel like that we've had to this point. <laughs> Just that little look inside your brain of what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Because typically in my brain, it's just like, what, what just happened? That's where I am most yeah. of the time. Yeah. I mean, that's what I really feel like I turned a corner. Like yeah. really, like just being able to just have those, you know, just clear headedness. It was yeah. very crazy. See white belts. <laughs> There's hope for us. <laughs> Don't worry. I've got all the way to four stripe purple right. before. <laughs> So you're saying it might take us a while. It might take a while. Or maybe <laughs> people will be better at it sooner. I don't know. But that's that's how long it took me. We're I all on it. our own journey. <laughs> I love that. So one of the other things that I want to talk about, and this kind of leads us into our on and off the mat, is your, well, I don't want to steal your on the mat thunder. You tell us. <laughs> so my on the mat tip is to have a competition game plan. And I know we talk about all that like that all the time. I'm a hypocrite most of the time, <laughs> to be honest. I'm bad at having a game plan. I just am. I, you know, I, it sounds like I'm bragging, but I know so much jujitsu because James does so much jujitsu. Yeah. Like most black belts have like their game, like they do half guard or they do deep half or they do like they have one thing. James has 25 different subjects he does seminars on. Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> and I've been to all of those seminars and I filmed all the instructionals. And so like, there's a lot of jujitsu in my brain. So sometimes I just get just too all over the place. And this tournament, we really focused on exactly what my game plan was. And we drilled basically just that. And every time I got out of my game plan, there would be, you know, some sort of punishment. <laughs> it was supposed to be burpees, but then I got injured. So I got out of that. Um, but you know, just the idea yeah. of like, there's going to be a consequence. In your game plan? Is that in your game plan? No. Then why are you doing it? Stop yeah. doing stuff. That's not in your game plan. When you're preparing for six weeks, there's a lot of like, oh, I'm bored with this. I've been doing the same jujitsu for six weeks. But aside from actually getting my takedown or pull, I hit most of what was in my game plan. Nice. Like I really got into all of it in different matches. So it, you know, and I, and I think that's part of why I felt more confident too. Mm -hmm. I knew exactly what I wanted. I knew exactly where I wanted to go. And if something went outside of that, I was very clear headed and just being like, I know jujitsu. It's fine. I know jujitsu. Um, and even the stuff that I usually struggle with, like getting stuck in clothes guard, or sometimes I struggle with spider. I didn't struggle with either of those. I got put in both of those spots, didn't struggle with it. Wow. So, you know, like having a game plan is so important and don't get bored with it. You can't get bored with it leading into competition. I've How got do you keep it from getting boring? How do you spice it up? <laughs> I mean, I don't know because I don't know that you really do. You know okay. what I mean? Like you kind of, you do it live with different people. You figure out where the issues are. <laughs> it's tough because, you know, giving away like all of my game plan feels right, you know, feels a little crazy, but in, we, we do a stand up class on Tuesdays and in that stand up class going live, I kept finding like, okay, I'm trying to do this, but nobody's giving me what I want. Nobody's reacting the way I want them to. And so we actually went through like three or four different answers before we found my answer. 
So James was like, well, do this. So then the next week I go in and I'm trying to do that. And I'm like, nope, that didn't work. That was worse. That wasn't, that wasn't the answer. So then he's like, okay, try this. So then we go back, we do it live again. And I'm trying the second thing. And I'm like, no, it just doesn't feel right. Something's wrong. So I don't think it's necessarily about spicing it up, but finding the the issues with it or finding the next step if they counter something. And I think that's what kind of keeps it more interesting. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a little girl, Callie. She's like 11 and she's been competing a lot. And I don't think she's bored with her game plan, but her dad is. <laughs> so her dad's like, well, what do we need to do now? Like, what do we need to change? And like, no, like if she's going to compete every other weekend, which is what she's doing right now, this is her game plan. And she does not stray from that. When she gets out of competition season, we'll start teaching her some other things. And I mean, she's still learning stuff, but like when we're drilling, it's that game plan. So, you know, you just have to stay focused on it. And then when it's not competition time, then you can have your training game plan, which is like I said, where we're working back into Panda and right and and stuff. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And my off the mat for this week is I've been reading Atomic Habits by James Clear. Mm-hmm. It's so good because it all can apply to jujitsu, to life, to business, whatever, because it's all about the practices rather than the results. And he talks about how just Improving something, like getting just 1% better, the compounded interest of that over time. And when I just think about like, oh, if I just, like when we do the micro drills. Yeah. And that 1% improvement of me just not having to think about something. So maybe I can have deep thoughts in my next competition. (laughs) I don't know. I think that's going to be a while. But to not have to think about the mechanics of everything. Right. And if just to improve that by 1% would immensely improve my jujitsu overall. Yeah, I like that a lot. How have you used it outside of jujitsu? Like have have you because you're not actually on the mat right now. Right. So how have you used some of these habits and a lot of it has been getting very clear on why I want to do something instead of, oh, I should do this for my business or I should post on social media or like all of these things I should be doing. It's funny because there's part of it where he's talking about being the person that you want to be. Yeah. And we've talked about that as it relates to the belts. Right. You know, what do I need to do? What are the actions I need to take? How do I need to think? How do I need to show up? And a lot of his, one of the things I got was, how do I want to show up? Yeah. And I've struggled a lot with, like, so I journal and meditate every day. And I've always struggled with writing affirmations like, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. Yeah. Because it just feels dumb to me. Yeah. But as he's talking about the behaviors and who I want to be, it feels much more real and true. Like, I'm not lying to myself. It's not fake it till you make it. It's, I am this person because I'm doing these behaviors. And it's not, it's not focused on the results as much as it is on the process and the behavior. Nice. And then, then then that's where it becomes the habit. Nice. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, I'll definitely have to read yeah. that. Yeah, Jiu-Jitsu Book Club. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so if you've read this, let us know your thoughts. Yeah, tag us on Instagram at Brassy Broad Jen, at Beauty and the Gee Podcast. At AJ Klingerman. We're there all the time. That's pretty much where we hang out on social media. Or make sure you post it in the Beauty and the Gee Gang Facebook group because I want to hear 
who else has read this book and how it's impacted them. Yeah, that'd be great. And then we will shout you out in the next episode. Yeah, definitely. Do you know that our next episode is episode 100? Can you believe that? I know. <laughs> that's crazy. We've made, like, this will be 99. That's, yeah. a, that's a lot in podcast episodes. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And people yeah. are still listening. Thank goodness. You're still here, right? <laughs> yeah. And they're sharing. So please share it. Share this episode or share whatever your favorite episode is and tag us. Make sure you DM us with your questions and topics and things that you'd like to hear us talk about on future episodes. Because, I mean, we're making this podcast for us, but we're making it for you, too. Absolutely. And we will see you on on the mat. mat.